This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Gorilla Lift, the trailer tailgate lift assist. Thanks to this revolutionary and patented product, your heavy trailer tailgate can be raised and lowered with virtually no effort. It'll work on open utility trailers with side rails between 12 inches and 24 inches tall and tailgates between 4 feet and 6 feet tall. Helps prevent costly injuries and property damage and saves time and money. For more information, go check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash gorilla lift you're listening to the lawn care business success podcast the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing equipment and customer service educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success now here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 116, entitled, Should You Give Your Clients What They Want? Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week and downloading those episodes, as always, and uh, also for the questions, comments, and feedback that have been coming through. Uh, like I always say at the start of every show, I really do appreciate appreciate the time you guys take it to uh uh, you know, take out in your day to let me know uh, what you think of the podcast and how I can improve it and uh, what you think of certain topics uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, like I say, really do appreciate that uh, as well. And uh, just a little update on the Gorilla Lifts that I uh, installed on the trailer and uh, talked quite a bit about uh, in last week's episode. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, I've been doing... Um, you know, uh, my work this past week, uh, using them for this first week. And, uh, it's just mind boggling to me how easy and what a difference, uh, it makes not having to deal with the heavy uh, doors on the trailer. They are just simply fantastic. There's no other way to really explain, you know, the simple concept that it is to have these lift assists on your trailer if you don't already have some sort of lift assist. Obviously, if you have a enclosed trailer with a big ramp door, those usually always have some sort of a lift assist already with them. But if you've just got like an open trailer or maybe a custom built trailer like I had uh, or have um, and, uh, you know, didn't uh, you haven't experienced using some sort of gate lift assist and, uh, you know, maybe your doors aren't quite as heavy as mine are, but it still adds up. It still uh, is that extra wear and tear on your body. And it's it's just so it's it's weird using the the lift assist because I went from like I say lifting those heavy side doors and you're you know you're gently and gingerly um you know lowering lowering them to the ground uh so that you don't uh, drop them and they don't make this loud or loud ruckus when they hit the ground or anything so you're you know you're you're uh, taking all that weight and putting them down to now you know I open the door and because the cables are holding all the way, I'm practically trying to throw the door on the ground, um, which obviously doesn't happen because the lifts are there. So they, it just gently uh, lowers down to the ground. It's just mind boggling how easy it has made my life in just this past week. Uh, and I don't think I could ever go back to using a trailer without some sort of lift assists on them, uh, ever in the future again. And I would recommend anybody, uh, to, uh, you know, if you are just starting out, do yourself a favor and get yourself uh, some Gorilla Lifts for your trailer if it already doesn't have some sort of uh, lift assist mechanism on it. Uh, so this week, I wanted to talk about uh, whether or not you should give your clients what they want. And now that may sound like a funny uh, sort of statement to say, but how this actually came about uh, was this past week, I posted a picture on Instagram. If you guys follow me on Instagram, 
Uh, I posted a picture. I've been doing some uh, prunings and some tree trimming and stuff like that. And I posted a picture of a Japanese maple that I had trimmed back quite heavily. And, uh, you know, I was uh, looking, I didn't even think about, um, you know, the the fact or the way that I had trimmed it. Um, I just, you know, posted a, you know, before and after photo, like so many people do, of uh, their work. And one of the comments uh, that came in um, was... Uh, a comment that said something along the lines of, who the heck shears a Japanese maple? They should be, or they should be left to look natural. And it took me by surprise, because like I said, I didn't even think about the fact of uh, how I had trimmed that particular tree back. And yes, I did use uh, the hedge trimmer, attachment on my uh, still combi system to trim this Japanese maple back. And, uh, you know, I had to comment back to the person that uh, I agree. Absolutely. 100% that that tree, a Japanese maple, you know, they have that sort of uh, weeping look, that weeping willow type look um, that they should be left to look uh, natural. And they should probably, if you're going to prune them, be hand pruned and just selectively uh, trimmed and stuff. But in this particular case, this is what the customer wanted. They wanted it completely cut back and they wanted all the weeping uh, parts that were overhanging. If you look at the picture, you'll see that it's uh, on the corner of a driveway. The tree has gotten, you know, a bit large. Uh, in fact, there's a, a a light post uh, there for the mark to mark the driveway. Uh, and uh, the tree has completely engulfed the light post. And, uh, you know, it's overhanging in the driveway. And the customer's problem uh, was that they uh, usually have uh, a bunch of cars parked in the driveway. Uh, and, uh, they back in their vehicle. And this actually happens to me as well when I'm there to do my weekly mowing. When I go to back in my trailer, uh, you know, of course I'm using my mirrors and stuff and I'm, uh, trying to watch the one side because there's always cars parked on one side of the driveway. Uh, but then I can't see the other side of the driveway. Um, because this tree completely blocks it when I'm, uh, you know, out in the middle of the, uh, cul-de-sac that uh, their house happens to be in. And I start to back the trailer in, you know, if I'm looking in my passenger mirror, I can't see the driveway because all I see is this tree as it's in the, the corner. So, you know, once I get the trailer past this tree, I can't really tell if the trailer is veering off and going on top of the lawn, uh, you know, or getting off the edge of the driveway or that sort of thing, because, you know, my only reference is the passenger side mirror and all I see is tree. Uh, and the customer was complaining about the same thing. So they wanted this tree, you know, really heavily trimmed back. So I, uh, you know, gave them a price and uh, went to do that tree along with a bunch of others uh, a few days later. And I uh, heavily trimmed it back. But like I say, I used the hedge trimming attachment, the shears, on the still combi system. And, uh, you know, I raised the crown. I cut off all the weeping uh, parts of the tree. Uh, and I cut the uh, sides of the tree and a lot of the... Um, you know, like new growth on the top of the tree. You get those like scraggler type of branches on the top of the tree sort of growing in every which direction. So I could just basically shaped the tree. Now, like I say, a Japanese maple, you wouldn't normally be shaping the tree and you'd be, you know, ideally hand pruning this type of tree. Um, now, ironically, in my own neighborhood, there is a, a person's house that has a Japanese maple and they have it in the corner. And I should actually take a picture of this one day and post it on Instagram because it is uh, uh, quite interesting. But they use shears as well. But they actually trimmed this Japanese maple into a square cube shape. Um, 
So I've always found that that was kind of interesting. Like that's overdoing it, going into a sort of square cube type shape with this type of tree. Um, and like I say, I should probably uh, post a picture of it because it is uh, uh, quite interesting. Um, but in this particular case, all I did was I sort of kept the, uh, I would say, integrity of the shape of the tree. Um, so it still has that sort of umbrella look to it. It was just trimmed back quite a, uh, quite a bit. So after I posted that uh, reply to the comment saying that, uh, you know, that I agree that it should be uh, trimmed, but, um, you know, uh, I, this is what the customer wanted and, you know, I will give the customer uh, some direction and tell them that it should be done a certain different way. But if they're going for a certain look or they want something pruned back completely, then, this is where you have to make a decision on do you give the customer what they want or do you refuse to and say, no, I can't do that. Now, in this particular case, I gave the customer what they want. And ultimately, they're the ones that are paying the bill. And I've found from my experience over the past 12 years that if I, and just to sort of preface, you know, this, uh, after I put the response to that comment, the person came back and, and agreed with me and said, yeah, I guess, you know, this, you know, everybody wants their trees in uh, nice little, uh, uh, balls and stuff shaped into little balls. And it's funny because that's exactly what, um, you know, most people want. They just want it all pruned or trimmed back into little balls or squares or whatever it is, regardless of what, you know, uh, the natural uh, sort of look of the tree is. And in most cases, this is also the most cost effective because trimming with your shears is a lot faster, a lot more efficient than going in there and hand pruning. Now, ironically, a day or two after I had booked another job for pruning and trimming, uh, and, uh, you know, I went to the client's house and, and, uh, in this particular case, they had a bush that has the branches sort of sporadically, uh, grow out in, um, I'm not sure actually the name of the bush, but it grows out sporadically in these like sticks, uh, that stick out. It, it would look like somebody's hair if they stuck their finger in an electrical socket is the best I can describe it. Just these like spiky sticks sticking out everywhere. And the year before I had trimmed this tree, um, I had actually used the shears and sheared it and turned it into this uh, nice, pleasing looking ball uh, that looked uh, really nice. It was very tight looking and very, just very, very nice looking. So this year, uh, the client asked me to trim their bushes again. And uh, so I went there and uh, they met me there in the morning. They had an appointment, but met me beforehand. And uh, in this particular case, they went over uh, with the particular bushes they want. Now, this particular client works at a gardening center. She's got tons of different uh, exotic plants and things in her whole front yard. Just a really beautiful garden. There's, uh, you know, um, pondless waterfalls and all this sort of stuff in her yard. It's just a really nice yard. Lots of tropical plants. Um, in her yard and stuff. So, and like I said, she works at a garden center and she's always out there working and, and, uh, de-weeding and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, so she knows what she wants and she knows what she likes. So in this particular case, you know, I show up in the morning and I bring my shears and all my tools and all that sort of stuff. And she starts going over the trees and, uh, she says to me, in regards to that one 
bush that I was talking about that has the sort of the twigs and stuff. And she goes, oh, and this year, instead of doing the big ball thing that you did like last year, she says, that was all nice and stuff, but I like this. I like the twiggy look. She says, I, I like the sort of sticking out look. So she says, rather than you going with your machine and just, you know, trimming the whole thing, she says, can you just take hand pruners to it and just selectively uh, trim, um, you know, whichever ones you think need trimming, but leave it twiggy looking. She says, I really like the sort of natural twiggy look of it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's great, right? And then she says, and then go underneath and uh, thin it out and uh, do this and this and this. And later on in the day, she was uh, going inside to do some uh, paperwork that she was doing. And then she would come out to have a look at my progress. And she'd be like, oh, that looks great. And, you know, I was doing a lot of hand pruning and stuff through all her uh, trees and things that she wanted. And she says, um, you know, uh, she says, uh, you're probably uh, sick of me coming out here and uh, looking over your shoulder at, uh, you know, you uh, doing everything and telling you uh, what I want trimmed and what not trimmed. And I said to her, no, it's actually quite refreshing because I don't normally get too much opportunity to do this type of work. To actually, you know, I was... Uh, on my hands and knees inside the bush, like underneath it, I was hand trimming different uh, and thinning it out and all that sort of stuff. And I said, uh, you know, I don't really get this type of opportunity to do this type of work because, and I said, everybody generally wants their stuff just trimmed into balls or squares or, or whatever. And she started laughing about that. And, uh, you know, we started going through the different trees and all that stuff. And there was a couple you know, more that she was explaining what she wanted done. And, you know, she wanted part of this tree, uh, or, or, um, shrub taken off and, uh, uh, cut back so that, uh, you know, it gave more room for the other one and all this sort of stuff. And then she pointed at these other two, uh, ones on the ends and she goes, Oh, and those, you can just do your, you can do your ball thing on those ones. Uh, so I was sort of laughing about that. Uh, but, it's a rare occurrence for me to have clients that actually want that natural look of their garden. And like I say, most people, you know, they would look at that finished product. And in fact, this morning, that uh, customer actually emailed me and said, uh, the trees all look great. Thank you so much. Um, and it's funny because if you were to go and you look at that one particular bush, um, you know, it it doesn't even look like I did anything to it. It's a huge difference. Obviously, if you had a before and after, you would see that I raised it all up and the whole underneath is now all cleared out and all the dead wood and stuff in it is all gone. And, you know, she's got all this planting area underneath now where she uh, wants to plant bulbs and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, but to the naked eye, to somebody walking by, they would just see all those sticks and things kind of sticking out, sort of the natural sort of look. And they would probably think that that tree or shrub um, still requires to be trimmed uh, because it's not in a perfect symmetrical uh, ball. So the debate, and and like I say, I'm not, um, you know, getting... uh, uh, upset or anything with a person's comments on on Instagram because they uh, had a valid point. And uh, like I say, through the commenting back and forth, um, you know, I obviously agreed with what they were saying and they uh, saw my point of view too uh, when it came to the fact that, you know, you, you sort of have to give the client what they want. Now, there's no right or wrong answer for this. Um, like I say, it's it's all up to your individual preference and all up to your individual business on what you want to do in this sort of case and, and how you want to handle um, these sorts of situations. So I'm just going to break for the podcast announcements and then uh, we'll get back uh, right into it right after this. So stay tuned. Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. 
And while you're there, why not join my mailing list and get access to a free PDF document of a landscape maintenance contract you can feel free to copy and use in your own business. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do. So I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and one free audiobook of your choice. There's no long-term commitments and you can cancel anytime. And get this, even if you cancel during the trial period, you get to keep your free audiobook. It's a great way to try the service and see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so before the break, we we're talking about whether or not you should give your customers or your clients what they want. Uh, and I talked about uh, some instances there on uh, some tree trimming on different methods, whether I hand pruned a tree, a particular tree, and in one case with a Japanese maple where I used the shears, the hedge trimming shears on the still combi system to trim back this Japanese maple. Now, my point of this uh, podcast episode was just more to, you know, get you guys thinking about this sort of topic. Uh, and like I say, there's no right or wrong answer to this. Um, it's, you know, really a personal preference on what you uh, want to do in these situations. You know, all I can do is share my experiences. And what I can say is that and I actually mentioned this in those comments as well uh, on that Instagram post. Uh, and that is to say that, you know, I used to, you know, stick my nose up in the air, uh, you know, arrogantly, so to speak. And, and, you know, when a customer wanted something like that done and I would be, oh, no, that is not the proper way to do that, you know, and I cannot do that because blah, blah, blah. Um and what I found in most cases was by trying to do the right thing by the plant and trim it properly, that in most cases, I would just end up losing the job. And the very next week, when I'd be in that neighborhood working, that tree or set of plants or what have you would be trimmed back exactly the way the customer wanted and all they went and did was either did it themselves or found another company that um went and did it the way they wanted uh and it wasn't and it's not only with tree trimming it's with um you know things like power raking or uh aerating and all sorts of things there's you know a lot of debate on these sorts of topics. Um, you know, I see it all the time with, um, for instance, the air rating, um, where I see these companies coming earlier and earlier and earlier every spring to air rate to try to outdo other companies because they're all going door to door and trying to, uh, do as many aerations as possible. So they're, you know, coming earlier and earlier so that, uh, they can get a leg up on the competition. Meanwhile, it's been, uh, you know, a very wet winter and rain, 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 and, you know, the ground is soggy and there's putting these heavy aerating machines on the ground to relieve, you know, compaction, yet, you know, the ground is soft and not quite ready to uh, handle a machine of that weight, yet uh, they don't really care. They're just going in and doing it. So I think there's a, a fine line between that uh, and in the case of something like uh, another example is uh, with the lawn renos. I've talked, uh, uh, you know, at length before about uh, when I do a lawn reno, how, you know, the process usually entails uh, doing a moss control here and then power raking, aerating, um, overseeding, fertilizing, liming, top dressing, and then lots of water. And, uh, 
how, you know, in my past, when I've quoted customers for these types of jobs, they have, you know, there's inevitably, inevitably been clients that have refused because of the cost and they don't want all of that stuff. They just want power ranking. Um, and there's been a, an instance or two where, you know, uh, quite honestly, I've been fed up with customers, um, you know, not wanting to do things properly and just wanting, you know, that one thing that, uh, you know, there was a client where I did it. I said, okay, this is what you want. I'll give you what you want. You just want the, you just want the power raking. I'll give you just the power raking, but it's not going to give you the result that you want. But if this is what you want, then I'll give you what you want. And, uh, you know, so I went and, uh, I did it and it, uh, never recovered. It uh, looked terrible. And, uh, you know, it was late in the season when they wanted it done. Uh, they, uh, never watered the lawn, uh, after that. And, uh, you know, went into the summer season and, uh, you can imagine the results. It just, it, it never recovered. The lawn never recovered from it, but it was like, you know, I told you so there's no, you can't, if you're not going to follow, I do this every day. Uh, I've been doing it for, you know, 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, you try to tell the customer, like, I know what it takes to get a lawn, get the result that you're looking for in a lawn. And that's where with the lawn rentals, you know, I stopped doing that. So, you know, where there's, if a customer doesn't want all of those steps taken now is where now I refuse. So there's certain jobs still where I will refuse to do the job because I know the aftermath. The The problem with something like a lawn is that if you don't finish all those steps, you know, it, it doesn't recover and it ends up being worse in the long run than you know, how it even started. You know, most of the times the customer's looking to get the moss removed out of their lawn. So, you know, and in a heavy investation where it hasn't been taken care of in years, if you don't follow all those steps, killing the moss first, then power raking it, then aerating it, then doing all these things, um, you know, it's, it's going to take and and be almost impossible for the lawn to recover without you following through all of those other steps. And the the problem with that is that it's a long term like when you power rake it looks terrible. I'm sure most people can agree that it, you know it it's not the prettiest looking uh thing when it's done properly and extensively and thoroughly. Um, so it takes, you know, a while to get that lawn to recover. And if those steps aren't taken, then you're left in that, um, sort of limbo, uh, terrible looking lawn state, uh, for months sometimes, and even years, uh, that particular lawn, uh, that I'm talking about, I remember it being, you know, a couple, you know, a season, maybe a season and a half in before, you know, it started to look green again, uh, because it was just, uh, so neglected after the power raking, they, they didn't do anything, uh, to it and didn't want me to do anything with it. They just wanted it power raked, thinking that that was, you know, the solution to all their problems. Um, so with something like that, I sort of pick and choose my battles now. So with the lawn renos, with the power raking, with things like that, I don't do the job and I don't take on the job if they don't want all of the steps done properly. Uh, because the end result um, will look terrible and it won't ever recover. And you, you're, you'll be in these neighborhoods working with your truck and your trailer and your uniforms and your logos and all that stuff. And you're making all this noise and neighbors are watching what you're doing. And a lot of them are coming up to you and asking you for maybe a price for this or a price for that. And then, you know, a few months later, the lawn still looks terrible and they're going to remember who they were talking to. They're going to remember that company that was doing it. They're not going to know the conversation that you had with the client of that house where, 
that you offered to do all of those steps and they're the ones refusing it. They just know that you're doing the job and you left and it looked terrible um, and that it never recovered. So I pick and choose my battles. And like I say, for something like that, a power raking, um, if they don't want the full meal deal, then I just don't even uh, take it on. Now, in the case of those trees uh, and that Japanese maple, for instance, you know, it's not a matter of it looking terrible. I'm just shaping it. And, you know, is it the proper way to prune that particular tree? No, but it doesn't look bad uh, per se. In fact, I would argue that a lot of people, the majority of the, um, you know, public who doesn't know, uh, anything about gardening would probably expect that that is the proper way to do it. Um, because they are so used to seeing things shaped into balls and trimmed back heavily and that sort of thing. So in that sort of case, it's not detrimental to the, um, reputation of my company, um, because most of the public will not realize that that's not the case. Um, and that it actually looks, it looks nice. It's cleaned up its thing. It's not the exact proper way to do it, but it's, it still is acceptable. Um, and, uh, you see, a lot of landscaping companies trimming trees in this manner using, uh, you know, your still combi system with a hedge trimmer on it, uh, with, you know, the extension poles and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, Keith Kalfas has tons of videos on, uh, trimming Bradford pear trees and that sort of stuff and shaping them and all that sort of thing. And it's that sort of thing. It's just a, a certain look, but it's not the same as, for example, you know, like I said, doing that, uh, lawn reno and missing a bunch of steps and knowing that it's going to look terrible to the unknowing public, uh, that they're going to see, you know, even somebody who's not a gardener is going to look at that lawn after and go, oh, that looks terrible. Uh, whereas, you know, trimming these trees in this manner, it's what the customer wants. They want it trimmed back heavily. So I get to, you know, comply with what they want. I get to earn the income, uh, rather than them just turning around and hiring somebody else who's going to do it anyways. And it's not detrimental to the tree. Um, it's not, uh, uh, like pollarding or anything like that, uh, to a tree. Now that's an, a whole other, um, sort of case. And, um, you know, that's another, uh, thing that you see done and there's a huge argument on whether that should be done or shouldn't be done uh, as far as pollarding a tree. And that's basically, if you're not familiar with the term pollarding, uh, that's basically where you take a, maybe a, a, a big tree and you're cutting basically all of the branches off of it. Uh, and, uh, you're leaving basically just the trunk and maybe a few, uh, you know, stalks of branches coming out, uh, but cutting everything off of it so that there's basically nothing left. That's called pollarding. Um, and like I say, there's, uh, you know, an argument on whether that is, uh, beneficial to the tree or not. I don't do it cause I think it looks, uh, terrible. I'm of the belief that that it is detrimental to the tree, um, that it just sends up a bunch of suckers, uh, sticking up in the air, unnatural looking, uh, and, uh, you're left with, uh, you know, a bigger job after that, um, year after year after year, you have to keep on top because the tree is, just goes into shock and sends those suckers, uh, straight up in the air. So like I say, for me, it's just a case of whether, you know, will the end result look bad? for a long period of time? And will that affect my reputation? Or is it just a request of somebody wanting something done that isn't necessarily maybe the proper way to do it, but it's not going to look bad. It's not detrimental. And they're just going to have it done, you know, regardless. I'll give you guys another example of giving the customer what they want. I had a client 
who I had picked up and they wanted a tree removed in their backyard. Now, in the city that I work out of, there is a few tree bylaws, even for trees on your own private property. Uh, so the city is very uh, strict about protecting trees. So you have to measure the tree from the base up the trunk to a certain height and then measure the circumference of the uh, tree trunk. And if the circumference is a certain size or greater, then you require a permit from the city to remove that tree. And in, you know, part of the regulations of that permit is not only do you have to get the permit to remove the tree, but then you have to also pay a deposit to the city and promise that you will plant another tree on your property to take the place of that tree. So in most cases, this is to remove large trees that are becoming a nuisance. Uh, and you, you know, remove the tree, but then you plant a smaller tree in its place or somewhere else on your property. And, uh, you know, something more manageable. And what the city does is that they will send out an inspector to look and see if you planted that tree. And once they see that you've planted that tree, they give you or refund you back 50% of your deposit, your security deposit for that replanting. And then what they do is they will wait. And after it's either one year or two years after that inspection date, they will come back to make sure that that tree is still there. And once they do that, after a year or two years, then they're satisfied that you're not, you know, only planting a tree just to uh, satisfy them and, you know, are going to turn around and remove it. That, uh, you know, after a year or two, if they see that the tree is still there, then they reimburse you the other 50% of your tree deposit. Uh, and that's sort of how it works. Now, if the tree's circumference isn't at the size specified, if it hasn't grown to that size yet, then you can take the tree down without consequence and without a permit or anything required. So this one client wanted a tree down and it happened to be a plum tree. So I removed this plum tree. I measured it up. It was well under the required size. So I measured it up and there was no issue with needing a permit or anything like that. So I uh, quickly, you know, took the tree down, spent a few hours. Um, it was still quite the job, even, uh, you know, it's still... Uh, a lot of tree, a lot of limbs and stuff to take down and remove completely. But I managed to uh, be able to take the tree down. And, uh, you know, the customer was very happy with the job. A month or so goes by and they ask me about another tree on the opposite corner of their property. So I go and have a look at that one. And this one was over the size limit. It wasn't by much, uh, but it was over the size. And the issue here is you're living in a neighborhoods, you know, these are smaller neighborhoods that I live in, and your backyard is surrounded with other people. And this tree was in the corner and it was overhanging the neighbor's yard and providing shade and stuff on the neighbor's yard. So if this tree is all of a sudden removed and they get home from work, you know, maybe they really enjoy, maybe the neighbor enjoyed this tree and enjoyed the shade that it provided. And maybe they would, even though technically it's not their tree, maybe they would be upset that that tree would be removed and, you know, call the city to inquire and find out if a permit was, you know, uh, taken out for this tree. So this is where that, that, gray area happens because for me, I'm not going to risk because the fines are quite hefty. Um, I've heard of a, uh, a colleague, um, when I was with the franchise who a neighbor wanted, uh, some trees trimmed, uh, 
uh, and it was, you know, um, a neighbor's tree that was overhanging this client's yard. And, uh, he called the guy and, uh, the guy went out there and he told the guy, I want you to trim these branches right up to the tree trunk. Now the tree trunk is in the neighbor's yard and, uh, maybe it was a foot away from the fence or so. And the branches were overhanging quite a few feet. So he got the guy and he said that the neighbor was fine with it. And that, in fact, the neighbor just said that once you cut the branches, you can just drop them in his yard. So, you know, the guy went and this franchisee went and he did it and he cut those branches off and he dropped uh, the branches on that side of the yard. And lo and behold, when the uh, homeowner came home and saw all these branches in his yard, he started to have a fit. And went and looked and saw that they had cut the tree branches and, you know, cut them right up to the, uh, completely cut all the branches on that side of the tree right up to the tree trunk. Now, this is a foot over the person's property into his own property on his tree. And so he phoned the city and the city came out and not only did they uh, find the homeowner that called um, this garden uh, landscape company to trim the tree. I think they find the homeowner $1,500. Um, but they also find the company $1,500 for not having the proper permission and, uh, not going through the right channels of trimming this tree and getting the homeowners, uh, you know, written consent and stuff on trimming that tree. So the city that I live in is quite strict when it comes to trees and, and monitoring the, uh, you know, removal of trees and even the pruning of trees. Um, in fact, um, all of the trees, like in, uh, on the front streets of houses, there's a lot of trees that have been planted by the city. I call them city trees. They're in the, you know, first, uh, five or six feet of property, uh, lining the city and the homeowners are not allowed to touch these trees. The city sends out, uh, their arborists once a year, they go up and down the streets and they, uh, trim, you know, these trees, but homeowners are not allowed to touch these trees. Uh, so the city will monitor, uh, this type of, uh, uh, behavior and, and things about people trimming these trees. So back to that client's tree, it was a larger tree. It would require a permit. Um, you know, it wasn't a monster tree, but it was just over the, uh, allowable limit for cutting a tree without a permit. So I told the client that, you know, it would require a permit, that they would have to go to the city and apply for a permit because the, the homeowner is the one that goes and, and gets the permit. Um, so they kind of scoffed at the idea that that's just dumb. Like, why do I need a permit to take down a tree in my own yard and blah, blah, blah and stuff. And, you know, I said, unfortunately, I can't trim the tree because without a permit for that particular tree, it's a larger tree. If one of your neighbors complains that I'm there cutting that tree and the city comes and, you know, they measure the base of the tree or the, you know, the, the section of tree that's left or, you know, anything like that, then there's going to be trouble basically. So I refused to cut that tree without a permit. Well, long story short, and this was towards the end of the season. And, uh, Literally, it was, I think it was in October or so. Uh, so there was one or two mowings left of the season and all that sort of stuff. And uh, up till this point, the customer was very pleased with my work. Well, come the spring of the next season, the client did not renew services with me. And they said that uh, a neighbor... Uh, offered to mow the lawn for them. But what I noticed was, because I still had homes in the neighborhood, uh, as I drove by, was that the tree was gone. Um, and, you know, this this was a person that was adamant that they were not going to uh, get a permit and that they were totally uh, upset that the city required a permit for that tree and that they would just cut it themselves and all that sort of stuff. And uh, lo and behold, not only did they, um, you know, let me go, but 
they had somebody remove the tree anyways. And, you know, like I say, I know that this was the case because once I refused to cut that particular tree down without a permit in place, the, I could feel and sense the relationship change that they were now, you know, sort of upset with me that I wouldn't do what I asked them to do. And it came to me as no surprise, regardless of the amount of praise they gave me up to that point. I could almost see it coming that they were not going to renew services with me the next year because I wouldn't do what they wanted. Um, so, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. And in that case, in that particular case, I still wouldn't have trimmed the tree regardless of knowing that, you know, they would not renew services with me because of it and all that sort of stuff, because I'm still not going to put the company's reputation or get in trouble with the city and have to deal with uh, fines and all that sort of stuff. Uh, because somebody wants something. The same goes with, um, you know, weed spraying of lawns and stuff like that. A lot of the weed sprays and things like that are now banned in the city that I'm in um, and are only allowed in uh, townhouse complexes uh, or uh, commercial uh, building or commercial properties. And the reason for this is that they know that you know, there's going to be landscape companies looking after commercial properties and um, townhome complexes and condo associations and stuff like that. So that they know that these landscape companies are going to have uh, their, um, you know, uh, licenses for spraying herbicides and all that sort of stuff and know how to properly dispense the stuff. But with residential homes, there's no real way to regulate who's spraying the product. So they've just banned the herbicides and weed killers and all that sort of stuff on res on single family residential homes. Um, because there's, like I say, if they don't ban it, then it's still available for sale. Um, and there's no way to regulate who's putting it down. And the issue is that most homeowners don't follow instructions. They over apply, they apply too often they apply at the wrong times. Uh, and you know, a lot of these chemicals just end up in the water table in the drinking water and all that sort of stuff. So by putting a ban on these chemicals for residential homes, they're also not available for sale for the public. Uh, and they're only available through wholesalers who then require, you know, a license to sell that to landscape companies who have their uh, and who have and can uh, you know show their pesticide licenses and the appropriate insurance and stuff to go with it uh, to be able to spray at commercial properties so at least that's how it works uh, where I'm from um, so that's another case of customers that will ask me to do something uh, like you know spray their weeds or something like that and it's like I can't do it because it's banned. And I know that I, there's a risk there every time I tell somebody I can't do it because there are always going to be companies out there that will do it regardless of whether it's bending the rules or against, you know, a city bylaw or something like that, because they only care about the bottom line. So it's a difficult uh, thing to uh, sort of uh, say, but, you know, I try to, and like I say, in the beginning, I would um, hold my nose up in the air and be like, no, I can't do it. It's not the proper way to trim that tree. It's not the proper way. And over the years, like I say, all the only thing that I would get from that was I would get a loss in revenue. And that those clients would then just hire somebody else that they could find that would do it for them anyways. So I still don't have a blanket policy on those sorts of things. I will still look and see and pick and choose my battles, like I said, and things like, you know, a lawn reno or something like that. If they don't want to do the whole thing, if it's a really bad lawn reno, like it's 
a, a complete moss infested yard that has like three inches thick moss and stuff throughout the whole yard, then I'm not going to do just the power raking if they don't do those other steps. But if it's just, you know, a dethatching or something like that, then yeah, I'll go and do just the uh, power raking portion of it uh, because I know the lawn will bounce back. If it's a tree like this Japanese maple that I was using as an example, uh, and, uh, you know, the person wants it cut back heavily. It's not the proper way to do it, but I'll do it because I know if I don't, they're just going to get somebody else who will do it. And it's not going to look bad. It's not, it may not be, you know, the proper way and it may not be aesthetically, you know, the nicest way to do it, but it's going to look neat and tidy and it's not going to look detrimental to the tree And to most of the public, it's going to look like it's a job well done. So, you know, things like that, I will bend those rules now and say, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. Uh, You know, but other things, if there's city bylaws and things like that in place, like uh, with a tree cutting down uh, example that I gave, then, you know, I absolutely will not again do something like that, just like the weed spraying. I won't do it if it's against a city bylaw, a city regulation, anything like that. I'm not doing it, you know, for the customer um, under under any circumstance. So with those, yes, I risk them hiring somebody else to do it, but that's a risk I'm willing to take because I don't want to uh, deal with the consequences of the city after all, the city is the one who's doling out your business license and all that sort of stuff as well. So I don't want to deal with those sort of consequences. And most people, most are understanding. A few will let you go and they'll just get it done anyways, or they'll do it themselves. And that's fine. Let them do it themselves uh, and figure it out. But it's not worth it for me and my eyes to put your company at risk. But, you know, with other things like just tree trimming and stuff like that. If it's not against any sort of bylaw and it's just aesthetically, you know, the person doesn't want it hand pruned. They don't want it uh, selectively trimmed. They just want it all trimmed back and put into a ball, uh, you know, a particular tree. They just want it shaped into a ball or something like that. Then, you know, go for it is what I would say. Uh, Because if you don't, they're probably just going to get somebody else to do it anyways. And it's not, aesthetically bad for the tree. It's not going to uh, be detrimental to your company for doing it. Uh, And in fact, most people would probably look at it and go, that looks fantastic. And you may even get more work out of it Uh, with neighbors looking at it going, that looks really good. I want you, you know, can you come and quote me to do mine? Uh, So, you know, that's sort of my take on it. There's no right or wrong answer, uh, but just something I thought I would talk about, uh, just an interesting topic uh, to talk about, uh, you know, that got triggered by that uh, picture I put up on Instagram of that Japanese maple and uh, the trimming with it and the discussion that it's uh, the healthy discussion that it led to. So I think that's it for this week. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.